morning and welcome to Monday Medicine, the pastor's prescription for your problems. I'm joined today by my awesome friend, Pastor Richard Lejeune. And with me today, Pastor Curtis King, my good buddy. All right. Good to see you, Pastor Lejeune. All right, man. So do, do you like my, uh, my sweater here? I love your sweater. You know why I love it? Why is, is that, that a llama? Those are llamas. I bought this in Cusco, Peru. <laughs> Actually, my wife bought this for me in Cusco, Peru. Got to give her credit. So, so when I wear sweaters like that, uh, Joseph tells me that I'm dressed like a grandpa. Okay. I'll, I'll take the label. Okay. Oh, goodness gracious. Full disclosure, yeah. my wife and I had been talking about in recent months, um, should we try to have a couple more kids? Have and really? we, uh, we came down to the conclusion of no, we're not going to have any more kids. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you dangle that in front of me, then you yank it away. <laughs> I was getting so, excited, man. Oh, um, so, um, I am already beginning to get excited about a, a decade or more grandkids coming. Yeah. So yeah. I'm wearing my grandpa sweater because my kids can't grow up fast enough and get married. So right around the corner. Oh boy. Uh, can I tell you something funny? All right, so um, uh, my uh, my grandson in California, Silas, he calls me Bubba. Okay, uh, okay, and uh, <laughs> it, it really is cute. <laughs> okay, I'm Pawpaw to the the kids in South Carolina, but he calls me Bubba. So me and Joseph, we were out to eat lunch uh, last Wednesday. Okay, <laughs> and uh, we're sitting there eating lunch, and there's this really cute little girl, uh, a little younger than Silas, just you know, 15, 20 feet away from us. And she kept saying, Bubba, Bubba, Bubba. And every time she said, I'm like, oh, Joe, it's killing me, man. It's killing me. I said, that makes me miss my grandkids. And, and she kept saying it. And she sounded a lot like Silas when she was saying it. And um, I said, Joseph, now, y'all, for those that don't know, Joseph is not married, okay? And um, so he's my only child that's not married. And uh, so I said, Joseph, you got to hurry up and give me some grandkids. So I'll have some grandkids in Niagara Falls. And he said, well, I'm trying. And I said, no, 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 no don't try. No. Don't try. He said, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. <laughs> trying to get married. That's what he meant. Yeah, not yes. trying to have grandkids. First comes love, then comes marriage, and then comes Joseph with a baby carriage. <laughs> yes. The old, the old uh, elementary school rhyme there. Yes. So. Yeah. Bubba. Now, if that's not the most, and my joke this week is a hillbilly joke. So if that's not the most hillbilly name, I know. Bubba. I know. I know. Did Alyssa do that to you or did Nathan do that to you? I don't know how it came about. Um, yeah. They have a, a little book that has pictures of everybody in the family. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, and he plays, he's always playing with that little book because he sees all of his family, you know, sure. doesn't live in Lancaster. And he just started pointing at me and saying, Bubba. Okay. So I, I don't, I don't know if they coached him a little bit or not. I, really I don't think know. they, I think Nathan probably coached him. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me because uh, <laughs> they think it's cute. Um, now I was always one of those that just wanted to be called grandpa King. Okay. Okay. I, that was just, you know, I'm a traditionalist uh-huh. <laughs> old fashioned grand father. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it, I don't think any of them are going to call me grandpa King. I think that's <laughs> grandpa King. Yeah. Well, do you want me to call you grandpa King? 
No. Okay, we'll just we'll just stick with Pastor King. <laughs> you know, your kids thought I was their third grand granddad. You know, so you which, actually in the in the ride to school this morning, you came up in conversation. Uh-huh. Um, my, uh huh. My Joe, who who does our producing mm-hmm. of the podcast, uh, his little boy is in kindergarten. He rides in my car, at carpool to school every day, and he just pipes up out of the blue and says, "Pastor, Pastor, Pastor." I miss Pastor King. <laughs> and April goes, you've never even met Pastor King. <laughs> yeah. And he said, yeah, but I miss him. And, and, and he's coming to our church. And and, and, right. and, I, and I miss him. I miss him. I miss him. And April <laughs> speaks up and says, the, the girl next to her in the car, she says, um, Pastor King is our third adopted grandfather. Yes, I am. So, <laughs> uh and I got to say, I can't wait to see Matthew in April. I, I mean, I'm excited about seeing all of you and doing the, the couples conference and uh, or retreat, whatever you're calling it. Really excited about preaching your church, but I, I'm anxious to see Matthew in April. They are, they are two of the most awesome kids in the whole world. Yes, they and, are. And I mean that. I love those kids. So uh, it's, it's going to be a happy reunion. Amen. Uh, hey, man, these... Uh, um, these last two episodes have really gotten a lot of traction. Um, the, uh, uh, the happiness, uh, ingredient, biblical ingredients of happiness have really gotten a lot of traction. Um, a lot of views, a lot of comments, and um, we got two more, uh, well, planning two more weeks. We're going to try to get three in today and three in next week, but uh, I think this is scratching an itch. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, people want to be happy. Uh, you know, I like to be happy. So, hey, let's get our jokes in, and um, uh, and then uh, we will get started for today. Uh, I think you went first last week. Is that correct? No, I think you oh, did. Okay, well then we'll let you go first today. All right, I'm just itching ahead. to tell mine. So I, even if you didn't, even if I did go first last week, I want to go first again this week. So okay, <laughs> so here's my joke. Okay, I I made uh, reference a moment ago. It's a redneck joke. So a dude turns to the guy next to him. And this is in the good old Southeast. And he asks, he says, hey, you, you want to hear a redneck story? <laughs> and the guy says, buddy, I'm six foot, 210 pounds, uh, and my name's Billy Joe. He said, you see the guy on the other side of you? He said, that there's Bubba. <laughs> he, he's 225 pounds of solid muscle, and, and he's a redneck. He said, and you see the boy next to him? Uh, that's Mike the trucker. And he weighs 295 pounds, and, and he's as redneck as they come. He said, now, do you still want to tell your redneck story? And the guy spoke up, and he said, nah, now that you mention it, I think you're right. He said, uh, I'd hate to have to explain the joke three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that one, I, I took that one personal. <laughs> Oh, man. Do you need me to explain that joke to you? So <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Now, I will say that the majority of our viewers and listeners uh, are um, uh, Northeastern. Yes. Okay, from Maryland <laughs> up through New York and New England. So um, uh, I'm not sure they all are familiar with redneck culture. Now, you growing up a good bit in Alabama and me in Kentucky, we... We know, don't we? Yes, we do. We know. Okay, 
Was it last week that you had a blonde joke? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so this week I have a blonde joke. Okay, all right, let's see. So, so there was the uh, um, world, uh, the the women's world championship of bowling in London, and um, uh, there was an all blonde bowling team, and there was an all brunette team, and so um, uh, you know in L- London they're famous for these double decker buses. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, the sightseeing buses. And so all the blondes went up on the top deck of the bus and all the brunettes took the bottom of the bus. And um, uh, on the bottom of the bus, every time they would drive past something uh, really fascinating, Buckingham Palace or Big Ben, you know, the River Thames, whatever, um, you know, the, all the brunettes would be, ooh, and, and they were just so impressed with everything. But Every single time the bus would um, uh, would get going a little fast or would make a turn or go around a curve, they could hear upstairs all the blondes just screaming bloody murder. And, and then, you know, then they would quiet down whenever they slow down or start going straight or whatever. And, and so downstairs, ooh, ah, oh, wow, upstairs, ah, ah. So one of the Burnett's finally says, I'm going to go up there and see what in the world is going on. And so she goes up the stairs to the top deck of the bus. And she saw these blondes, the eyes wide open, look of horror all over their face. And, and uh, she said, she said, we are all having such a great time downstairs. Why are you ladies all so upset? And the lady said, well, it's because you have a driver downstairs. <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> oh, how about it there, Pastor Richard? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's a good one. Oh, my, oh, my. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we better get started here. Would you like to review? I think I reviewed last week. Would you like to review and uh, uh, one, two, three, and four, and then I'll jump in with number five today? Absolutely. So we're talking about 10 principles uh, for biblical happiness, or 10 ingredients, rather, for biblical happiness. And The world has their model of what will make you happy, and God has his model. And just as it always is, the world's model is diametrically opposed to God's model. And so if you are willing to set aside the how for a moment and focus on the end result and say, I want the final product, Mm -hmm. give me the list of ingredients and I'll do it. Well then it just comes down to, do you trust God? Because God made you and he knows what will make you happy. So we've laid out four so far uh, ingredients from the word of God. And listen, this isn't us extrapolating or exaggerating or twisting. The Bible says in these verses, if you do this, you will be happy. So um, here are the four we've covered so far. Okay, we've looked at obedience. We've talked about a biblical family. Uh, Then last week, we focused on hard work, um, and we talked about laboring to enter into that rest. And Mm -hmm. as you're resting after a good day's work, there's a a happiness, a satiation to your soul. And then fourthly, we looked at having the right God. And having the right God involves believing in the God of the Bible. Um, Mm -hmm. You were given a desire deep down inside to worship. You were given that by your Creator. Uh, People all over the world worship, uh, but when you get the right God figured out, it it sets you up for happiness. 
And then when you make him your Lord and you actually follow through and do what he says, boy, you, you find your fulfillment as to why God made you. So those are the first four ingredients. We've got, we're going to try to cover three more today. Pastor King, you want to get us going on number five? Yeah, I'll try to go uh, fast here so I, we don't um, um, uh, get ourselves off track. But number five is hope in God. If you hope in God, you will find happiness. And the verse uh, is uh, Psalm 146, verse five. It says, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, whose hope is in the Lord his God. You are happy if your hope is in the Lord. And um, uh, real honestly, everything that I want to say about that is probably very, very predictable. And so I'm just going to go ahead and apologize for being super predictable. But um, uh, your hope being in the right thing, uh, a, a number of times in the 72 episodes we've done together, we have talked about hope deferred makes the heart sick. Uh, so if you are hoping in something that is just not a guarantee and it falls through, you're going to be sad. Okay. So you put your hope in things that there is no real guarantee or no stability and, and you're asking for sadness. You're asking for misery. And um, how many women have, have married a man hoping that he would be what they wanted and then he wasn't? How many men have married a woman hoping that she would be what he wanted? And they, didn't, they did not fall in love with what that person is. They fell in love with what they hoped that person would be. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's, it's horrible um, when your hope is here, but reality is there. Uh, but when your hope is in the Lord, then, and, and your hope is legitimately in the Lord, your, your hope is not that God is your genie in a magic bottle that will grant you all your wishes. That's not really hoping in the Lord. Um, the hope in the God of the Bible is a totally different story because um, you might not have good luck by hoping in the Lord, but you will have good peace by hoping in the Lord. And uh, how many characters in the Bible were murdered because of their faith or uh, starved because of their faith or were uh, brutalized because of their faith, but they had peace in their hearts. And uh, if, if a person can somehow get themselves beyond the point of thinking that happiness comes from being um, uh, well-fed, well-dressed, well-protected, money in the bank, a uh, beautiful house to live in, nice car. If somehow we can just get away from thinking those things, because we all know people who have all that and more and they're miserable. Uh, happiness comes from hoping in the Lord. Um, this past Thursday night, uh, I preached down at our rescue mission on uh, Romans fifteen thirteen about hope. And um, one of the things that I talked about in that sermon, and I'll try to say this quickly, um, we, our family, uh, my, my wife, myself, and Joseph, um, we found ourselves a number of years ago in a horrible situation, and uh, we were living temporarily in South Carolina, and um, it was tough. I mean, I, uh, I felt like everything I'd worked for my whole life had just been just shattered, and um, while we were there, uh, my best friend, Brother Jeff Coat, who's been on the podcast, his wife told Janet about a very interesting place about 30 minutes from where we're living in Columbia, South Carolina. 
Uh, it was called the South Carolina Lunatic Asylum. Okay. Mm. And um, it, it was abandoned. Uh, it's on Bull Street, in, uh, which is a major street in uh, downtown Columbia. And um, so we, uh, she said, you got to go down there and see that place. So we, we drove down there to the South Carolina Abandoned Lunatic Asylum. And um, we parked the car uh, in, on the property and uh, these massive buildings, I mean, enormous, all boarded up, broken windows. And we walked counterclockwise around the property and you could see um, hospital beds that hadn't been touched in, you know, 40 years laying out back behind some of these buildings. It was really something. And um, I did find out later that it was built to house a thousand uh, mental patients but at one point, there were over 5,000 patients in that facility, which might lead you to understand why it was abandoned, okay? Uh, you can only imagine the abuse that would be going on inside a place where there are 5,000 people taking up 1,000 spots. But um, as we walked around and were just stunned at what we saw, we were working our way back toward the car, and one of the last buildings we passed was a church building, and... Um, Joseph and I ran up to the porch to hope to get a little peek inside over the boarded up window. Jan didn't want to go up there. She's afraid we we're going to get in trouble. And uh, Joseph and I stood up on a window ledge and we looked down in and you could see the pews, um, hymn books and Bibles still in hymn book racks. I mean, it looked like you could take the boards off the door and go in and have church. And I just imagined on Sunday, all of these people who were in this horrible place coming down into that church building for, for a church service. And I just imagined them singing, uh, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. You know, uh, I just, just imagine um, the, the joy that they could have experienced in that building, whereas they experienced fear everywhere else. So Joseph and I, we finally, we, we walked down off of the, the porch of that uh, church building. And I looked over to my left and there was a sign it was all grown up with weeds. And I went over and I pushed the weeds aside. And the name of that church there on the state of South Carolina property was the Chapel of Hope. Wow. The Chapel of Hope. And I thought to myself, there's not a better name for a church on a place like that than the Chapel of Hope. And what I would say to folks today is this, that if you believe in God, you have hope. If you believe in Jesus, you have hope. And if you ever lose hope, it's only because you've lost touch with the Lord, okay? But if you want happiness, you have to have hope. And you can only have hope if you have the Lord. So um, I think we're talking about something that is very real today. And I'll tell you this, no matter what bad situation you have found yourself in, there's always a chapel of hope. There's always a chapel of hope somewhere within reach of you. That was Monday medicine gold right there. <laughs> um, you, you began by saying that your comments would be predictable, but. Um, uh, <laughs> well, the story from, might not have been. Yeah, so. far, the story far from predictable and, and just captivating. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. The sixth thought we have for you, uh, sixth ingredient we have for you is wisdom. Proverbs 3.13 says, uh, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Much of the book of Proverbs involves the pursuit of wisdom uh, and the battle against getting wisdom 
And really, um, it, this is not an intellectual discussion as much as it is an emotional and spiritual pursuit. I could sit down and write on paper um, what happens when I pursue wisdom versus what happens when I pursue foolishness. And I think that 10 out of 10 people who are rational are going to say, well, I want to pursue wisdom. But so few people actually do it. And yeah. so this is not an intellectual choice. Because intellectually, we all understand that's the right thing to do. It's a spiritual choice. James, the book of James lies out, lays out for us uh, uh, man's wisdom versus God's wisdom and contrasts the two. I don't have the passage right in front of me. I believe it's James chapter 2, if I remember correctly. Uh, but uh, two or three, but in there it uh, talks about pursuing uh, man's wisdom that is built on vanity and revenge versus God's wisdom. And listen, you 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 don't need to lean on your own understanding. You put far too much responsibility on yourself mm. to win at life and to be happy when you're leaning on your own understanding. Um, every morning when I wake up, I roll toward my window in my bedroom and I look out the window at the trees right outside my window and I pray a prayer. I say, Lord, I need your wisdom today. I'm going to have things come across my path potentially that I'm not going to know how to handle. But not just only the things that are beyond my capacity, I need your wisdom with the things that are within my capacity. Absolutely. And so give me my daily bread of wisdom. and. When you lean on the Lord's wisdom um, and you pursue that and you find it, uh, you find yourself resting in that. Now, I heard an illustration, and this will be anticlimactic compared to the Chapel of Hope, okay? But I heard an illustration some years ago. Uh, someone said that God gave Solomon all the wisdom at one time, and in some ways it ruined him. And I agree with that. I think if you look at the life of wisdom, or life of Solomon, you can see how all of that wisdom, um, he didn't manage it well. He said, God does not generally give us wisdom that way. He said, uh, I, I view wisdom as though uh, it is a loaf of bread. He's going to give you what you need for that day. And the next day you have to come back and pursue more and ask for more. And I would even go further than that and say it is a it ought to be a regular occurrence that you're not leaning on your own understanding, that in your day-to-day -day decisions, even the mundane ones, you, you stop and pray a very simple prayer, Lord, give me your wisdom to know how to handle this. You have a family member that's difficult to live with or work with, uh, and they're making your life less than happy. The ingredient to biblical happiness is that you ask God for his wisdom to know how to handle that family member. You have a boss at work who's not treating you well, making uh, things difficult, and you feel trapped at that job. You need to ask God for his wisdom to know how to handle that. And the pursuit to get the wisdom will bring happiness just as much as the wisdom you get because that yes. pursuit involves walking with God. There's a serenity and peace that comes from that. Uh, time in prayer, and uh, you you get to enjoy the presence of your maker and your king, then you get the wisdom as a result that helps you manage your way through the problem. So if you want happiness, then you need to do as Solomon said, you need to find wisdom, and you need to, you need to uh, hold on to it and treasure it as though it's the most valuable uh, intellectual thing you could ever obtain. Amen. My most... Um most used verse in counseling 
is uh, James 1 5. If anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. I use that so much because um, so many questions that people ask me, I don't have a Bible verse that says, thou shalt buy that house instead of that one. Or thou, you know, um, but I do have a verse that says, if you need wisdom, you can ask God and he'll give it to you. And uh, God will give you a wise heart, which will give you a wise brain, which will give you wise decisions. And unhappiness typically comes from a series of unwise decisions. So if you keep doing unwise things, you're going to keep driving that stake of misery deeper into the ground. At some point, you have to start making wise decisions, which comes from having a wise mind, which comes from having a wise heart. And that can only come from the Lord. Yeah. So we have, um, we have five minutes left to give you our last one. And this is a good one. Um, all these are good ones because they're all from the Bible. But number seven, the seventh biblical ingredient of happiness is mercy. Okay. Now you might say, I don't like that. I, I want to be a do you want to be biblical or not? All right, here we go. Proverbs 14, 21. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. Now, um, uh, probably, and by the way, the neighbor is not just the person who lives right next door to you. It might be the person who lives four doors down, but you're not supposed to despise anybody. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. So, uh, I've heard a lot of um, um, uh, a, a lot of criticism toward the poor. Okay, well, if they just go get a job, or if they would just, well, some of that may be there may be some truth to that, but you don't know the whole story. Okay, and um, what I do know is this: that God has said um, that you need to look on people who are less fortunate than you and have mercy on them. Um, Sometimes people who appear to have more than you need a little mercy as well, okay? Um, I guess what God is really trying to say here is that if you want to be a happy person, you've got to learn how to cut some people slack, okay? Um, everybody acts out at times, and everybody misbehaves at times, and uh, you can't really know anybody without them stepping on your toes stepping on your territory, hurting your feelings, um, doing things you don't like. And part of being a good Christian is being a merciful person. Um, you know, um, I think sometimes, um, you know, you and I are in pastoral leadership, but in any kind of leadership, sometimes you have to make decisions for the greater good. And sometimes for the greater good of everybody, there is the lesser good for an individual. But that individual, instead of going around griping and fussing and complaining, needs to realize that whoever is making these just needs a little mercy. They need a little mercy. Um, uh, sometimes we will take one statement that a person makes out of context and we'll blow that out of proportion like, oh, they, they said a horrible thing. Well, it probably isn't as horrible as you are acting like it is. Uh, and if you had been in the situation that they were in, you probably would have said something worse. Uh, a little mercy is in line here, a little bit of mercy. Um, I think sometimes we just need to let things go. You know, uh, somebody's having a bad day. We can't act like we've never had a bad day. Uh, you, you know, 
just a little bit of mercy. In fact, that even made it into the Beatitudes, okay? When Jesus got up to preach the most famous sermon he ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, in the introduction of his sermon, he said, blessed are the merciful, okay? That made it into the introduction of the most famous sermon maybe ever preached in the history of the world. Blessed are the merciful. Um, yeah, I think that we, somewhere along the line, we have got to learn that not everybody is going to meet up to our standard of perfection because we have not met up to our standard of perfection. So a uh, minute and a half, comment on that, Pastor Richard. What? Let your backyard be a large graveyard where you bury the mistake of others. Amen. Um, and just learn to make excuses for other people. You'll be much happier that way. That doesn't mean you enable people to continue to abuse you. There's a difference no, there. not at all. Uh, but when someone has a one-off and they make a mistake, let it go. Move on. You yep. know, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. And then he said, for they shall obtain mercy. And I've lived life, lived life long enough to need mercy. <laughs> and <laughs> you're not going to get it if you don't give it. And I think sometimes people are hard on others because they're so hard on themselves. And that's great that you're hard on yourself. I, that's a wonderful attribute or wonderful trait, but learn to be hard on yourself and truth to yourself, mercy on others. And um, you'll, you'll find that your life is much more happy and enjoyable. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's been good uh, hanging out today. It's always good hanging out with my good buddy, Pastor Luzerne. I would just close today by saying this, that if you are lacking in happiness right now, it's probably because you're lacking in, uh, in some of these areas. Uh, ask God to search your heart. Amen. Hey, time's up. Next week, we'll wrap this up. All right. All right. God bless. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you next Monday.